Well, today is the final sermon in our Leaping into 2020 series that we've been in. And uh, this sermon is going to be the continuation of the sermon that I started uh, a couple weeks ago before I took a week off to goof off. And uh, if you ask my wife, she says I pretty much goof off all the time. But uh, that's, that's something that we can debate about. For today's message, message, if you would, turn back to the book of Luke, 13th chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse number, verse number 6. Luke 13, verse number 6. He, talking about Jesus, also spoke this parable. <clears throat> a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But the caregiver answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it, bur bear, and if it bears fruit, well. But if not, well, then you can cut it down. In the message a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, you know, whenever we begin a new year, whenever a new year comes around, not only is this a new year, it's a new decade. But whenever there's a new season, we always talk about and get so excited about what God is going to do and how God is going to move. But as I told you then, today I'm not concerned so much about what he's going to do this year because I know that God is going to do his thing. God is going to do his will. His will is going to be manifested according to his purpose. And so the real question is, is what are you and I going to do with this new year? You see, we put the responsibility of progress, of peace, of deliverance, really of everything. We put it all on God and we sit back twiddling our thumbs, waiting on God to do something great in our lives. And so what happens is we miss out on what God is expecting you and me to do. Because here's the thing, if we're going to be effective in this world, we have got to take action. God is going to bless what you do, but you yourself are going to have to get your hands dirty. And so in our text, Jesus shares a parable that is really quite profound. He talks about a man who owns a fig tree. And for three years he's come and expecting to find fruit, but yet nothing. Not a zilch. And then we see the caretaker of the vineyard, and he's asking the master for compassion. He says to him, let me work on it another year. Now, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, it reminds me of justice and mercy having a debate about us. Justice says, for the age you're at, you should be further along. For as long as you've been in church, you should be a more mature Christian. Justice says you should have produced more fruit. But then mercy says, hey, wait a minute. Let's give him another chance. And so we see justice, justice exhibited by the owner and mercy exhibited by the gardener. But the truth is, as I told you a couple weeks ago, you have to have both. You have to have balance. Because if you have all justice without mercy, then you have legalism. But you and you have all mercy with no justice, then you have liberality. 
And so the sign of a mature believer is to have balance in your life and not going overboard either way. But you know what's interesting is that you can't tell from looking on the outside of people who is and who isn't balanced. Don't look at your neighbor. But listen, here's the thing. You cannot be fruitful for the long haul without balance in your life. Now, we don't have to wonder what God thinks about being fruitful because, as I told you, the very first commandment that God gave man in the Garden of Eden was to be fruitful. It just makes sense. If God put fish and fowl and foliage on this earth and told everything he created to be fruitful, why would I, as a born-again Christian, still be struggling with whether God wants me to be fruitful or not? Seems like a no-brainer to me. God wants to bless you. He wants to make you productive. God wants you to be fruitful. No doubt about it. And so the owner is frustrated by the lack of cooperation from the fig tree. And he said, You've come, he said, I've come for three years looking for fig newtons and found nothing. But you see, here, here's the thing. A fig tree does not produce fruit in his first year. Or even in its second. And so a couple of weeks ago, then we talked for a few minutes about impatience. You don't take a one-year-old tree and expect to get fruit from it. And so the owner is expecting something that is not realistic. And quite possibly some of you here today are frustrated because you're expecting something that is not realistic. And so as we begin this new year, this new decade, maybe you need to adjust your expectations to reality. Because the reality is it takes time to be fruitful. It takes time to figure out what you're good at and what you're called to do. Now, I'm not talking about being lazy. Stay on planet Earth with me. Let's not go off to Pluto. I'm talking about what the Bible says, that there are times that we wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And so it takes time to develop into what God wants you to be. So it wasn't right to expect fruit in the first year. It wasn't realistic to expect it in the second year. And it's even optional, if you'll study about fig trees, it's even optional in the third year. And so in our text, we see these two men having a discussion to make a decision about the new year. And we see the voice of justice saying, for all I've invested into this tree, it's not going too good. And I think I'm just going to cut it down. But then there's a verse, voice of mercy saying, now wait a minute, sir, I'm not sure that we've done everything that we could for this tree in order for it to be fruitful. So give me another chance. Give me another year. You see, we see in this discussion that the owner, in his frustration, is making a rash decision. And ladies and gentlemen, one of the best pieces of, of advice I can give you is in this new year, don't make the mistake of making decisions out of your emotions. Because sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not, sometimes you feel saved, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like judgment, but sometimes you feel like mercy. And so if you're guided by your feelings, well, I mean, your life's going to be up and down, down and up, and sometimes sideways. So sometimes you just need to be still and know that God is God, trust him, and stand on what you believe, not on what you feel. And then bring your feelings in line with your belief that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not beneath, and you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You're never going to be fruitful when you make decisions out of your feelings. 
And so that's where we ended a couple of weeks ago. Just a little recap. Now today I want to begin, begin with, in John chapter 15, we see Jesus and he's talking about bearing fruit. The subject of these messages is being fruitful. And so Jesus is talking about bearing fruit. And he says in verse 8, My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And then to produce more fruit, Jesus says in verse 2, My Father prunes the branch. And so in going from fruit to more fruit to much fruit, well, it takes time. It takes experience. It takes setbacks. It takes being pruned. Listen, you're not going to just start out and soar like a rocket and just keep soaring and soaring and soaring. You're going to go up. You're going to go down. You're going to go down. You're going to go up like a balloon that someone let the air out of. That's a life whether you're Christian or not. That's just the way it is. And the reason why that is that way is because once you get up there and you hit an air pocket and drop a thousand feet, you're not going to have a heart attack because you're going to be able to say, been there, done that, no big deal. You see, church, this is the way that you ride out the storm. This is the way you make it through that test that you're going through. This is how you survive your enemies. This is how you deal with someone who has stabbed you in the back. See, because here's the thing. If God gave you his plan for your life all at once, you'd freak out. I know you're sitting there all cool like you wouldn't, but you would. You're big and bad. Oh, I can handle anything. Yeah, right. Drop a spider down beside you. We'll see how big and bad you are. So if God shows you his plan little by little, taking you through experiences so that when he does give you his plan, you'll be strong enough to handle what he's about to release in your life. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be productive. God is going to lay it in your hands, but he wants your arms to be strong enough to hold the weight of what he's going to do in your life. So in order to get ready for what God's going to do in your life, you're going to have to make some of the smartest decisions this year that you've ever made in your life. Why is that? Because you are a limited resource serving a limitless God. We are limited in our ability serving an unlimited Heavenly Father. And what that means is you can't afford to make rash decisions. You can't continue to invest your time and energies into things that are going nowhere. Listen, you can't be everyone's best friend to the extent of it keeping you from preparing for what God wants to do in your life this year. And that means some hobbies may need to take a back seat. That means your Facebook Need to not see your face for a while. You see, when I'm preoccupied with this, that, and them, I don't have time for him. And if I overextend myself trying to be everything to everyone, I'm not going to be fruitful. So, Lord, please this year give me the gift of saying no to the things that keep me from you. And so the question is, 
The question is, what do you need to prune this year in order to be the most fruitful and the most productive that you've ever been? It's an honest question. In our text, the owner of the tree says, cut it down. The caretaker says, hey, now, you know, sir, in good conscience, I can't give up on something that I have not invested properly into. You see, in other words, there are things that you have to earn your way out of. You have to say, wait a minute. Now, would it be right for me to cut down something that I haven't fertilized? See, maybe the tree isn't, isn't productive because I haven't made the proper investment. Now, the sun, I mean the tree, excuse me, the tree can get sun, it can get water without me. But in order to be fruitful, there are some things that must happen beyond its reach. Let's face it, the tree can't dig around its own roots. And so, you know, I'm not sure that I've done everything I could with this kid. I know they're goofy. But is there more that I can do? You know, you know I can't let this marriage go. Because maybe if I would fertilize it with love and tenderness, it can be fruitful. Mercy says I just can't walk away. But the owner is rationalizing. He says, I don't own the whole earth. I only have a certain amount of property. I could plant something else here and it could be productive. And so he's got a tough decision. But let's be reasonable. To cut it down and plant something else is to go through the whole process over again. People who make quick decisions to walk out on stuff, to quit, to resign, to change, even change churches, don't understand that when you start over again, you go back to square one. You start at zero. And so you don't want to make these decisions out of frustration because if you're going to plant a new tree where the old tree was, it's still got to go through the growth process all over again and you're not going to have figs next year. Can't start a new tree where the old tree left off. Of course, I, I don't know what fig tree you have. But more than likely, there's a really good chance that there's something in your life or someone in your life that you need to make an intelligent decision about. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Intelligent decision. <laughs> you know, because that, that's a church word. That, 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 that's a word that church people don't use. Intelligent decision. We have it. But we don't use it because we were taught not to use it. Because we were taught if you were intelligent, then you weren't spiritual. Hey, don't sit down on me now because you know how it is. You've talked to those people like I have. It's hard to talk to church people sometimes because they just say things that make me break out an itch all over. I just have to scratch. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, I don't know whether it's, you know, whatever the will of the Lord is. Oh, yes, yes, that's what, just whatever the will of the Lord is. So I'm just going to sit out here in the rain until the Lord stops it. You know who I'm talking about, those really deep ones. The ones who have more theology than they have brains. I mean, I'm, I'm allergic to them. 
Every time I talk to him, I have to go home and drink some Benadryl. It just... It seems like they have an aversion to common sense. God did not give you common sense and did not want you to use it. So come in out of the rain or at least get an umbrella, dummy. We've got to make intelligent decisions. Now, the owner of the property, I mean, he's talking to the very man that he hired. Why did he hire him? Because he had expertise in being able to raise fig trees. And if, and if you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're a boss, even if you have one person underneath you, sometimes you need to listen to the person under you. Just because you have the power to make the decision doesn't mean that you have all the knowledge to make the decision. That's why the Bible says in the multitude of counselors there is safety. And sometimes a person who's got their hands on the object knows something that the person who's got their hand on the checkbook doesn't know. Listen, if you're a control freak, making decisions simply because you have the power to make decisions, maybe you haven't been productive because you've been so busy power tripping. Hmm. Holy Spirit, don't point them out to me. I don't want to know. <laughs> Let me make my own decision. You see, you don't understand that God will bring some people into your life who have no power, but they have information that you need. And when you ignore them, when you don't take their information, you can make decisions in a vacuum that can destroy you from being as fruitful as you could be. I mean, have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what makes people power trip? You know, my mom, my mom was a control freak. Now that she's gone, my sister, she, well, never mind. Never. Not going not gonna to go there. Not going to go there. But so many times, people who have been powerless and become powerful, they power trip. Other times, people who have been victimized and violated only feel safe when they're in control. And so, they move, and so they're more into being in control than they are to being productive. Josh taught me a great saying, teamwork makes the dream work. See, because if you've ever been mistreated or mishandled by someone in power and you finally arrive, if you're not careful, you're going to act like the one who mistreated you because now you have no example of how to be balanced in your authority. And so you need to ask yourself, am I on a power trip? And if you can't decide, just ask those who work for you. But first, be sure and assure them that their job is not in jeopardy. That you don't have a whistleblower compliance act. 
The reason I bring this up is because I want you to have a fruitful year. I want you to have a productive year. Because listen, being a powerful, strong-willed person isn't a bad thing. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It's talent. But you have to make sure that you don't implode and, on your, and destroy yourself with your power because it's not regulated by the balance of other people's information. Listen to the little guy. He may have something you need. I mean, in our text, the owner is talking to his employee. And the employee says, hey, let's leave it alone. Now, the owner could have said, I'm getting rid of this tree, and you too, pack your bags. Have you ever reacted like that? Starla's been close, but she's never told me to pack my bags. But you see, the worker sees the wisdom of a deeper investment in the tree. And some people in leadership fail because they don't have anybody that they can talk to. Well, well, really, they don't have anybody that they listen to. Listen, as we begin this new year, you need to surround yourself with people with whom you can collaborate in order to move your life forward. You can't just surround yourself with people who drain you. So many people keep praying for God to pour out his blessings on them, but they keep doing something that sabotages what God wants to do in their life. I mean, in order to be productive, there has to be pollination. Nature teaches us that. A pear tree can't produce pears by itself. It takes a bee carrying the nectar from other flowers and blossoms that causes the tree to be fruitful. Well, and then you take it another step and you have cross-pollination where the qualities of two different kinds of pears are combined, bringing out the best of each. Who do you cross-pollinate with? Oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Maybe that's why you ain't got no fruit. Just a thought. You're too busy to be fruitful. But the Bible says iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. It's like two guys who were chopping down trees. One guy, he won't stop. He keeps going. He's, he's, he's possessed. The other guy says, wait a minute. I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to sharpen my axe. And so he takes time to sharpen his axe, while the first guy says, I don't have time to sharpen my axe. I get paid by the tree. Well, duh, remember about common sense? The guy who sharpened his axe cuts down twice as many trees because he took time to sharpen the process. This year, sharpen your axe. You may feel like you're losing time, but you're gaining productivity because you could chop twice as much wood if you were sharper. I had a friend who said, work smarter, not harder. Being more busy doesn't mean that you're more productive. Take time to get sharper. Justice says, cut it down. But mercy says, leave it alone. Mercy says, leave her alone. Leave him alone. Mercy says, let me work on then this year. Thank God for mercy. 
Thank God for mercy. Look at the person beside you and say, thank God you've got another year to work on yourself. You need to say, thank God I've got another year to get my temper under control. You've got another year to be the man that God wants you to be. You've got another year to break that addiction that keeps pulling you back under. You've got another year to pull yourself up and be the woman that God called you to be. You've got another year to get your kids straightened out. You've got another year to be fruitful on your job. You've got another year to work on your health. Someone in here needs to thank God for another year. You know, while I'm meddling, let me just go a little further. I don't understand. I don't understand why most married couples who divorce leave each other for someone that they already had. You didn't fix your problems back then, so you're taking them right into the next relationship. Quit being stubborn. You've got another year to be the husband that you were created to be. You've got another year to be the wife that you know you can be. Stop digging your heels in the dirt saying, I'm not going to step up until they do. You've been playing that same stupid game for 10 years, and it ain't working, but thank God you've got another year. Let me let you in on a little secret. I've got another year to pull the preacher out of me. The preacher I feel down in my spirit. The preacher I feel that God wants me to be. You've got another year to stop being distracted and realize the treasure that God has for you. You've got another year to write a glorious chapter in the book of your life. You've got another year. You've got another year. You've got another year. Thank God for mercy and thank God for another chance. Every day you open your eyes laying in your bed, you need to say, thank God I've got another day. You say, well, but if God will take me home, I can get out of the sin-cursed world. Yes, that may be true, but there may be someone that God wants you to reach who's not going to get out of the sin-cursed world. Thank God I've got another opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. Verse 8, the gardener says he wants to do two things. He says, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Why does he want to dig around it? See, because when you till up the hard, dry soil, when it rains, the rain will get down to the roots. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to dig around and break up what's hard in our life. Sometimes we have systems that are inflexible, personalities that are inflexible, our inability to communicate, inflexible. We say things like, that's just how I am. That's how I feel. I'm not changing. Well, yeah, you're a donkey rear too, but that, uh, oh, sorry. Starla told me not to say that. She told me not to say that and it just slipped out. But you've got another year to open up your heart in order to receive the benefit of God's wonderful rain that he's sending. I want you to know it is wet enough today for you to produce fruit, but your ground is so hard. You have been through so much in your life that it has hardened your heart. And it's not God that it, it's not that God isn't sending the rain. It's that the rain isn't getting down into your roots. You remember the last time you heard that song? When the preacher said something that gave you those doodads on the back of your neck, 
It was trying. It was trying to get the ground open up to receive the rains. Our prayer needs to be, God, don't let it rain again and fall on my hard, stubborn will. Don't let it rain again and fall on a hard, inflexible system that I've developed. So many of us have no room for change. But I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, we need to change even if it hurts. We need to change even if we have to become vulnerable. Change even if you have to come out of your comfort zone. God, help me to change because what I'm doing is not working. I have got to change to come into your productive fruitfulness. The caretaker pleads, let me dig around it because I know the rain is coming. Church, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know who God's going to use, but I know the rain is coming. And God is pleading with you, this year, break up the fallow ground, break up the hard places, remove the rocks, dig up the weed because the rain is coming. I know the devil told you it wasn't going to rain again. I know the devil told you your life was over. I know the devil told you that this year is going to be just like last year, but the devil is a liar. The rain is coming. The rain is coming, and it will saturate your heart if you will open up to receive it. That's why you're here this morning. Because God wants you to get ready because the rain is coming. God doesn't want you to be dry this year. God doesn't want you to be thorny and callous this year. The rain is coming. You can't change what you did. You can't help your past. You can't rewind how you messed up. But it's a new season and the rain is coming. You can't change your yesterday. The only thing that you can change is your today and your tomorrow. The rain is coming. So let it get down to your roots. caretaker said let me dig around it and then he said let me fertilize it what do some people use for fertilizer dung manure the stuff that seems unusable the waste the dead stuff today God is saying Fertilize around it. The waste that you've been through that seems so unusable. The things in your life that seem so wasted is the very thing that God is going to use to change where you are at right now. The smelly stuff, the embarrassing stuff, the humiliating stuff, the disgraceful stuff, the stuff that you don't want anyone to know about. We think that we are so special and God wants us for our talent. We're not that talented. We're not that talented. God wants us for our brokenness. He wants us for our waste. He wants us for our dead stuff, the stuff that we thought was no good. Because with God, nothing is wasted. God will use your brokenness, your waste to make you fruitful. You see, because by now, you've finally gone through enough that you understand fertilizer. You've had enough experiences, you've made enough mistakes, you've done enough silly things, but finally you have a little wisdom right now. And God says, I want you to take the waste that you would normally throw out, that you would normally discard, and I'm going to make something productive out of the smelly things in your life. Now, not to bring up bad memories, but I want you to take a minute and I want you to think back on every stinking thing you've been through. Let's open up the closet and bring back those skeletons. 
the ugly things, the painful things, the dead things, the dead, dead relationships, the dead marriages, the dead decisions. Think of every dead thing you've been through and gather it up because God is going to use all of that this year to bless you. Because as we break up the hard ground and the rain gets to the roots and we put in the fertilizer of our past broken heartedness, God is going to use that to bless you. He says, gather up the waste you thought was for nothing and I'm going to use that so you can come into the growth that you have waited so long for. Isaiah chapter 27 says, if you will hear my voice, if you will hearken my word, this will be the year that you will bud and blossom and you will bring forth fruit. 2020 is a year for you to be fruitful. So don't let this be just another year. Come on, not this year. Not this year. Open your mind, open your heart, open your spirit. Let this be the year you get your house back. Let this be the year you get your peace and joy back. Let this be the year you get your integrity back. And it all begins when we're honest with God. Bow your heads with me if you would. Author Anna Quinlan said, I searched endlessly for someone wonderful who would step out of the darkness and change my life. It never crossed my mind that the person could be me. Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Friend, it's not a matter of what God wants to do in your life this year. It's a matter of what you will let God do in your life this year. People in their own abilities do amazing things every day. And you, my friend, are an amazing person created in the very image of God. He breathed the breath of life into you. You have talents no one else has. And you can do unbelievable things. And think what you can do when you allow God to make you fruitful in your life. Because there's no doubt God is going to move on this earth. I believe God is going to move in this church. The question is, will you let him move in your life? God's going to pour out his blessings this year. He promised it in his word. And so another question for all of us is, what do you need to do to be in alignment with that plan? What do you need to change in your life? What do you need to prune so his desires for you specifically will happen? Now, maybe you're here today and you need to be forgiven of sin. You have practices and activities in your life that you know aren't pleasing to God. Maybe it's something that you've prayed about a thousand times, but you keep drifting back into. It doesn't matter. God has a reckless love for you. The Father will leave the 99 and come to where you are. So perhaps it's sin in your life. Maybe... You just need a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit 
in order to flow over you to break up the hard places of your heart. God will do it if you'll open up and let him. If you need Jesus to do something in your life today, something special, would you raise your hand? No matter what it is, you need God to perform a miracle. It may be healing in your life. You may need a job. There's any number of things that we need divine intervention for. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Would you stand with me? All over the room. Elders, these wonderful people of God, would you come? Take your place around the front. The singers are going to minister in song. And these altars are open. These altars are open. These altars are a place where the hard stuff in your life can be broken up. These altars are a place where the rain can flow and get down to your roots. And I invite you, muster up the courage. Get the nerve to step out. Step out and come receive what God has for you. Maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't. It doesn't matter. But step out to begin the process of not only changing your 2020, but of changing the rest of your life. Today can be the day that catapults you into the most productive time of your life. Because God promised He wants to do it. And it's when we yield ourselves to Him. Let this be the year that you produce much fruit. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, and I pray as your Holy Spirit goes through this auditorium, searching, touching, ministering to the lives of these wonderful people. Father, that they will yield to the draw of your call to come and receive the blessing to be fruitful this year. In Jesus' name, amen.